Did you know that kinky wellness is integral to your self-development? Hi, my name is Dana Shrigal. I'm a kinky wellness coach and owner of The Partition, home of kinky wellness. Each Monday, I bring on a guest to discuss why kinky sexual wellness deserves a seat in the wellness conversation. You can catch my solo shows on Wednesdays, but let's jump into it. Hey, and welcome back. Today, we are welcoming Master Joshua. Master Joshua is a professional dom, end-of-life doula, and a non-traditional sexual behavioral counselor. He has worked with hundreds of people, helping them achieve self-acceptance and to become more active participants in their own lives for over a decade. He is a co-founder of the Power Exchange Academy and also a co-founder of the Sanctuary for Spiritual Development and Consciousness Expansion. Today, we are going to have a candid conversation regarding shame and suffering, so let's jump into it. Welcome to the show, Joshua. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm. I, thank you for coming on the show. I'm very eager to talk about just suffering and shame in general in a candid way. But before we get there, why don't you start with telling us a little bit about you and what you do? So my name is Joshua. I'm also known as Master Joshua in the BDSM and leather community. I'm an end-of-life doula. I help counsel folks through reconciling their relationship with sexual identity. And it started off with me being a pro-dominant. Wow. So how long have you been doing this for then? So uh, this part of my process is, I want to say it's about two years old. It's, mm -hmm. it's come to, uh, I guess, the forefront about two years ago. But it, it was built off of professional domination and what I learned in holding space for folks when they're learning to find the language around their identity. It was really impactful. And through that work, I found purpose in, in life. Um, I was born in Hialeah, Florida, but I grew up in New York City. In New York City, I, my formative years were built around sex and what it meant to be a man within that, that, that decade. I was uh, from the 80s to the 90s, right, is when I was very impressionable around what is expected of me as a man. And I put that in air quotes. Uh, from there, I joined the military. I was in the Marines for four years. From there, I went into law enforcement for about 10. And then from there, I went into executive protection for about another 10. And in that time, I was still looking for purpose. When I graduated high school, you know how people say, ask, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? I wanted to help people. But that, what does that really mean at that age? Right? And with my time in the military and my time in uniform, I didn't quite get the opportunity to help the way I felt was purposeful until domination fell into my life. I had an, a connection with a gentleman who reached out to me and he expressed the desire of being treated like a dog and not like pup play dog, but like a junkyard dog, I like to say. And through a negotiation and spending time talking, getting to know each other, knowing that he was coming to me for, for the space to be held and not to objectify me for what he was needing. Uh, on the other side of that experience, I saw how deeply impactful it was, and it really opened my eyes to the potential of healing through the journey of BDSM. The open communication that we were able to experience together was transformative for me as much as it was for him. The ability to have those candid conversations where a person is openly feeling shame, but yet working through it to talk to me what, with what he had going on in the direction he wanted to go it really gave me a sense of purpose 
reflecting back on that uh, a few, I want to say a few weeks or months later. I know af right after the session, it was, uh, it was very, it was a profound experience mm -hmm. to, to actually have something tangible just about where we went in one way and we came out another. And it wasn't a sexual, it was just energetic. Like, how does this person want to feel and how do I get them there? Absolutely. Well, you mentioned that he was openly saying, like openly working through his shame, but I, I actually feel that a lot of people don't, hmm, I do feel like some people don't know that they're feeling shame. Like they don't know what that word really means. And so there's a confusion about it going on. So one of the, I, I was in this conference called Queering Psychedelics, maybe a month and a half ago. And there was a gentleman by the name of Justin Natoli who was speaking around shame. And uh, what he brought up was childhood and adolescence. When you get into those situations where you're exploring yourself and someone comes into the room and it's like, uh-oh, I got caught doing something, or they shame you to make you feel that way, like you got caught doing something, as opposed to a, a aha, so you're just discovering this. Well, embrace it as opposed to, oh, don't do that, right? So like it really goes down to childhood, mm -hmm. right? What are things that we felt we were shamed into, shamed out of, uh, embarrassed because it was never affirmed? And how can we reframe it so that it becomes powerful again or self-identifying? And like in control, I think as well as a big one for this. So someone can reclaim it in their own hands. Very much. And so you, this might be a little off topic, but you said you were also a life end of life doula. And so with that, do you work with a lot of trying to reframe shame and suffering at end of life? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. So through this work again, through holding space for folks to speak their truth, uh, around COVID, there was a friend of mine who had a baby and they wanted to hire me as a photographer to come up and take photos. Now I've known them for a number of years and they had a dog named Max. This is actually a two-part uh, story that helped bring this into my frame. And when I saw Max, he was older now. He was, I want to say 15. He was blind. His hearing was was hard. But uh, his sense of smell, when I got close to him, he noticed me, acknowledged me right away. And it was like really sad, right? Because I've known him since he was a puppy. And now he's at this point of his life. And I don't want to remember him like this. So on the train ride back, I was thinking about all the positive things that I got to share with Max so I can embrace that relationship for what it was, for what it is to me. And it helped me reframe, get the practice of reframing uh, the grief and, and acknowledgement and awareness that I have towards my relationship with Max the puppy. And there's a Leatherman, a brother, uh, a leather brother of ours who is in his mid-70s and he's gay and he's never come out the closet to his friends or family and uh, the idea of him transitioning to afterlife is sad for me because he wouldn't have spoken his truth and those are two things that really kicked me into gear around well what do i want to do with this ability of holding space for folks to speak their truth and so i started down the, the road of end of life doula work where I wanted to connect with others. I wanted to 
educate myself in what the processes are and how can I integrate it into my life and my work. And essentially what I want, what I do is I hold space for those of advanced age or advanced illness to speak their truths around identity that they didn't have the ability to share with others because of shame and fear. The idea behind that is I want them to reconcile their relationship with their identity and to validate them and affirm their existence to say, you're not broken and it's okay that you're this way. Because it's like people go to the grave with this stuff. And, and I can only imagine how painful that is when you're trying to bring things full circle with, with the way life has, has come for you. And like, it's, it's, it gives me purpose. It helps me help people alleviate suffering to whatever degree we can together. Wow. That's really beautiful. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Really. My biggest takeaway from that is I wish that more people would be able to create or hold space for them around shame and suffering before it gets that far down the road. And that's what BDSM and King can really invite into someone's life. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. The tough part about it, right? It's like the opportunities present themselves here in particular, because the things you want to share, they're private. And you don't want to be judged for them, but how do you go about it safely in a way that you can preserve your, your emotions, right? But you can't. It's a difficult road to traverse where you're going to touch a few irons. It's going to hurt. You're going to get embarrassed. You're going to feel shame. You're going to feel fear. And then on the other side of it, when you make solid connections and people who you meet who accept you for who you are, when they present that space of acceptance, it's like, why would we go back? to it, to, to not being accepted. So the journey, as I like to help people discover it for themselves, is it sets the bar for what type of connections are we making in our lives and what type of connections are we willing to continue in our lives? Because yeah. once you're seen and validated, it's like, why would I go back to someone who doesn't let me feel safe? Absolutely. And it gets, it can become very isolating because of truth. A lot of people don't like truth. They, they'd much rather convenience and safety over truth, especially when it comes to how we feel, right? God forbid I show my cards and people laugh at me. That's the risk we have to take if we want to find authenticity. And you will get stung along the way. Cause that's the other thing too, is that not everyone is going to like what you like and vice versa. And there's this idea that everyone has to get along that I think is kind of difficult in itself. Yeah. Yeah. And like the whole idea of your kink is not my kink and that's okay. Right. That's it. I love, I love the saying, is it practice as much? Not so much. Right. Everyone is into something. Right. This is like my hard, like I believe this to the end of days. Everyone has something. It's, are we finding people safe enough in order to share it? Mm -hmm. For example, you have um, in the community and the lifestyle, you have people who are dominants and I'm putting all this in air quotes. You have people who are dominants who, will never bottom or submit because they feel it means less of them, right? So it's like, so what are you doing to heal that? What are you doing to, to reconcile? Again, it comes back to reconciliation, to working on your relationship with vulnerability, right? Why not? And some people will absolutely say, because I'm not into it, and is it valid 100%? But dig into it, right? Because... There are no absolutes in this lifestyle, in this journey, and everyone has something. It's the moment we can find someone or, or, or some people we can share that with, you, you feel 
it's almost like you put those invisible bags down and you get to, you find the permission to to really speak about the things that you find behind the shame a little more openly and it's not something where i suggest people come into the community and the first person you meet is like oh this person could hold all my secrets <laughs> rarely that right it's like cuz the other person has to be doing the work too Right, just because our name is master or mistress or goddess doesn't mean we have our shit together. It just means it sounds cool before my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sorry, that was just so moving. I was like thinking about it because I do feel that BDSM and kink is one of those things that you can hold space for your truth. But the hardest part about it is the first person you have to be honest with is yourself. And I think that's the most difficult thing about it. We can go around and we can listen to other people, but to be honest about what's going in our head takes a lot of courage in itself. I agree 100%. Uh, community comes into play for things like this. Community has its good things and it has its bad things. It's pros and it's cons. Validation and affirmation are huge positives about community. Feeling that we're the only ones like this. When you find the community like yourself, it's B, if it's BDSM, if it's skydiving, if it's Dungeons and Dragons, if it's Miley Cyrus fans, <laughs> there's others like us, right? <laughs> so to find a community to help validate your existence, that you're not alone, that you're not broken, is a big deal. With that being said, community also boils down to the lowest common denominator. If you're in a room where a lot of folks aren't willing to do the introspective work, that's the bar you're going to reach when you're looking for connection. It's like, they're not doing the introspective work. How can I get in with them if we're not on the same level? And it can feel alienating because we all look alike. We're all into similar things, but what's important for you is not important for me. And having a clear definition of that is also important because Authenticity comes at a price mm. and it's pain and it's suffering. It's isolation because we're asking people to dive into the past, things that a lot of people survive only with scars, right? And as people on our own journey, myself, I lead with my own vulnerability. I like to show my cards of what I'm asking for in return meaning I will be truthful with you and I will show you who I am if you can show it back to me. And that, to me, that's the bar. Right? And that looks like deep conversations or important questions for me. For example, one that I always love to, to lead with is, do you believe in life after death? And if the person doesn't want to have that conversation with me, I don't want to talk about the sports teams. I don't want to talk about the last kink you explored. I don't care. <laughs> What I want to do is know who you are because I need to see if I can feel safe with you. And by that is like, do will you allow me to feel comfortable enough to share about myself without you judging me or me having to explain myself for existing? But that's that's been built over years of holding space and learning what's important for me and a person. And it takes time for people. Like, uh, people who want to start on this journey of self-awareness, it's like a three to five year process before you start to really, you can really point out at the investment of time that you've made and you've received the dots have connected. I don't want to say receive return because it sounds like you're giving, like it's not a give and take type of thing. It's a, it's, it's an investing into 
self-discovery and you get to look back and see all the bags you've dropped. But like you said, starting, starting with yourself is, is that is the hardest thing to do. Well, and like you said, it does come at a cost of suffering, but what I found in suffering, like through BDSM and kink, you could say is that there's two sides of it. There's suffering that you can stay on the ground, but then if you continue through suffering in a way of like, we could compare it to sports. Like if they, they suffer during their training, but at the end of an intense workout or something like that, you do feel rewarded with discipline and other types of emotions that come through following through your suffering. I really, really enjoy that, that, uh, that analogy. Um, I've not, I've not, heard it that way, but I've done mixed martial arts for a number of years and you're 100% correct. Like the suffering that I'm experiencing in the training or in this case, living will allow me the discipline and strength on the other side of it to say, wow, I accomplished that. The way I reflect on reflected on suffering, it actually came, I think I had just finished doing a psychedelic journey. I'm, I'm big on psychedelics for introspection and awareness. And on the other side of that journey, it's like I had a download and it said the important thing of the importance of suffering is the ability to hold space for those who will come suffering after you, right? So the suffering that I've experienced in my life, I'm not the only one who has experienced it that way and I won't be the last one, but there'll be people after me who will feel like it's the end of the world and everything's falling apart. And all I can do is use my suffering to show them you can survive it. It just takes work. And in that space, what we do is we take our suffering and we find the questions we wish we were asked when we were in their place where they're suffering because we can't pull them out. But what we can do is ask them questions to reflect on to help them find their own answers for what they're experiencing, what they've experienced, or what they're hoping for the outcome to be, but just to give them a, a larger sense of awareness. So I'm going to take your suffering and my suffering, and I'm going to find a way to put them together yes. because uh, I really, really appreciate that. Well, I do think that um, more people should actually invite suffering in through a fun, like you could say a fun kinky way, because it, in a way, like you can get rid of the suffering that you still have within you. Like it still needs an outlet to go through. And so with BDSM and kink, like, and using our imagination, connect back to those points that you were suffering with and just end it, like actually put it through. And like, of course it, it comes with time and it's not something you do once. And then it's all of a sudden gone. It is something to work on as well, but like anything in life, it does take work. And our sex life is something that should also take work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you had mentioned, uh, having fun with it. There's some scenes I do that, are, that are called tests of endurance, right? Let me show you how strong you are. Cause my intention isn't to break you and make you cry and quit. I don't want to do that. I want to draw your strength out and I want to throttle it just before your point of either why the fuck am I here or the breaking point, just to show you how, how tall you can stand, how, how firmly you can be in your, in your position so that on the other side of it, you can reflect on it and say, damn, I did that. And it comes back to the athletic athlete, right? To training and suffering. And on the other side of it, playing the game, playing the sport, like you're in it to win it. It's, I guess it's the same thing, actually. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, they yeah. could just give it a space and like it empties out parts of your brain that like you can go back to other things. Cause that's the thing. People don't understand the weight of it and all the space it takes up just like almost brain fog at this point. Yes. Yes. One, 100. It, it makes you very present, very present. Uh, like meditation. Some people say uh, they have psychedelic experiences out-of-body experiences through this type of energy exchange. Uh, people who suffer chronic pain use it to help alleviate some of the chronic pain. Uh, like, for example, fibromyalgia. Whipping, getting whipped to the point where you don't feel the body pain anymore, but you can feel the, the sensation from the whip itself. So it, it just makes it vanish for an, a period of time where a person can say, they can relax, right? Imagine relaxing from a whipping because their pain, their body is beating them up. Well, that's the thing that I don't agree with in some of our society is that the only type of form of healing is through this soft, caring avenue. And there is a number of us that can get, get those same things, but in maybe it looks harsher to others, but it's not harsh to us. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I have another example of my slave, Mary, who was on anxiety medication when we met. And over a period of time, we're working together. And it was a short period. I want to say it was between our second and third session together. The anxiety was gone. Like she was able to dial back on the medication, spoke with her doctor about it. I'm not saying this is a replacement for any type of medication or medical services by any means or therapy. Consult your physicians, your medical professionals, and your med mental health professionals when engaging in this stuff. Yeah. Because uh, people do die doing BDSM, engaging in BDSM. And that's one of the things people don't talk about. So with the her body, the way her body responded to the space we were holding, the energy exchange, it, it didn't just come to the flogging that she was receiving. Her sharing of herself, her opening up and being validated and told that Again, she's not broken, that she's okay just the way she is, and that it's a part of life to learn and to grow into who we are. And just to reinforce where she was, was also part of that process. So could you go into a, a, a space and someone flog you and then you leave relieved? Sure. But you can have much greater impact and potential on what's happening if you invest into the connection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think the connection is the like most important part. And when people aren't aware of what BDSM and kink is, they think it's a lot of sexual activity, but it's the opposite. Actually, it's what we said, like the mental, emotional, spiritual elements of it, where it's just, you might not even touch somebody at all. Like it could just be all verbal. Very true. Very true. Uh, I think the best way to phrase it for myself is the play is the byproduct of the investment. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's not, don't go in expecting it. So through this journey, I created an intensive and it's called the Power Exchange Academy. The philosophy from it is people before kink. The reason being is we are individuals in life. We don't have these titles that we walk around with every day, all the time, like dominant and submissive. That's a relationship role. Right. If I, I can't walk into the world and be like, I'm a dominant person. What dominant mm -hmm. to who? 
no one, right? Unless I come into an agreement with a submissive who says they want to submit to me. And then at that point, I can say, okay, I'm a dominant because I'm their dominant. Identifiers, like they're not characteristics. People before kink is about who we are, not what we do. It came from the process of doing professional domination, holding space and learning where people are getting caught up in relationships and connection building. We want to lead into connections with checklists. This is who I am. This is what I like. What about you? And then we put them together and magic is supposed to happen. And it's like, <clears throat> it doesn't, it doesn't work that way because we're not checklists. We are individual souls who are born imperfect. We're all imperfect. And the idea is to understand our framework, our formula, so to speak, so that when we connect with other people, we can inquire about their formula. Who are you? Tell me about yourself. I'm not a dom top power house. Right? It's like, no, you're Joe, someone who does banking and has like, you have a whole personality outside of those roles. And when we get validated for just existing as we are, it's like the desire to be open and to share grows out of that. Not everyone does this process, nor were we taught about how to connect, right? The, the, we, we get put through school to learn how to be functioning factory workers or worker bees, right? No one sits us down to talk about vulnerability. No one sits us down to talk about what it means to hold space. The only thing holding space is, is a fancy word phrase for sitting down, listening to someone and not judging them. Mm -hmm. just, just witness their story, witness their existence. That's holding space. And we've not been taught how to do this. So a lot of the folks that I work with, they're going through their midlife awakening. Midlife awakening, also known as midlife crisis. I don't like to call it that. I think awakening is more it's correct for what the person is experiencing. And what we're experiencing is we don't know who we are. We haven't learned how to develop relationships. We're really not communicating who we are, what we need, because we don't know. So we're stuck in this life that we were told to live. And now I have a house. I have this, I have that, or I don't. Where have I messed up? So some people divorce, some people marry, some people have kids, some people leave, right? Whatever it is that's happening within their life to try to find these answers because no one showed us how. The idea behind the Power Exchange Academy is to have people do the introspective work into who are we? What are we looking to experience in this journey? By asking very particular questions. Um, I have an intake form when I work with clients that takes four to five hours to complete because I need you to have working knowledge of yourself if we're gonna sit together and talk I don't because like the people that go to McDonald's and they wait till they get to the front of the line to look at the menu that they already know was up there. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't want to do that. When we sit down, I don't want you to have to think about the answer. I want you to have it refreshed. Things like, tell me something you wish people knew about you. Tell me some things you've given up on life. Tell me some things you've been ex ex uh, curious about exploring, but you've been ashamed of. So that when when we sit down with a person, we have a refreshed information of who we are today, not triggered into those moments or at three o'clock in the morning on a Saturday saying, okay, I'm into being pegged, right? It's mm -hmm. like, we've not even given ourselves permission to explore that. So I'll come around to that. So we take this intake form and we send it to everyone who signs up so that they have 
they can bring themselves up to speed on the things that are important in order to communicate effectively about your desire in this space of education. They come to the intensive, we pair them up one-on-one -on -one with a total stranger. The first four hours are spent having conversations that are about who we are fundamentally, what's our foundation, it has nothing to do with kink. The idea behind that is the practice and the ability of holding space, the experience of holding space, talking about things that matter to who you are, like what are top five characteristics that draw me to a person. You share that with someone, you're speaking your truth to someone and someone's looking at you and receiving everything you're saying and saying, I understand, or I hear you. And then they do the same in return. They get the experiences of being vulnerable, speaking the truth, having to be accountable now because now they've said this about themselves and it's like, someone knows, so I have to do it or I'm a liar. I don't want to be a liar, right? So it's like, we put all the responsibility and the experience, especially the experience into your lap of speaking your truth and seeing what it feels like to be seen and heard and validated. Once we conclude that four-hour block, nine out of 10 times, those two that have connected are lifelong friends because they've shared things about themselves fundamentally that they rarely, if ever, shall shared anyone if they thought about it, right? Because again, we don't, we're too busy having to pay bills, going to work, hanging out, doing things that don't give us the space to say, well, who am I in this situation? So after we do that, it also changes the way we communicate about our needs and our wants because we've just shared it with someone in a way that we were received so openly. How do we reframe that perspective in communication to talking about kinks and fetishes? The way we do that is by not putting check marks onto it. We do that by, for example, we have an impact class where we have them pick up the toys, floggers, canes, and paddles, and they touch them to help remove the fear of what these toys are. And then we have them tested on themselves, on their arms. Everyone does this. And the idea behind that exercise is see how it feels and then ask yourself, well, how can I find this enjoyable? Now, after everyone does that, we, we pair them up and their job is to articulate it to the person in front of them. The person's job is to create that experience for them using the words that they've shared. Because if the person's clear in, in their uh, words, the person's going to understand it. If they're not, they're not going to understand it. And this is the place to make the corrections. Educational settings is easily my favorite place to learn or experience because there's an instructor there. There's people in safety and there's the ability to say, I don't know. Right. So we put them through these exercises and it goes through all different fetishes, mummification, rope, fire, impact, ABDL, any type of fetishes that we host within that intensive. All the classes are meant to be approached that way. How can I find this enjoyable so that we can learn one that we have so much greater options than we think we do, but we can also find the language to help others do the same for themselves. And on the other side of that, is a freedom of identity. I'm not who I thought I was. I'm much more. To the point where we have to give a disclaimer, like a warning, don't make any life-changing choices for the next two weeks. Because after you come in and you see what it is to be received without judgment, you're going to go back to some circles that you've not felt that safe before. What does that say about your circles? And some, <laughs> we have to, we've, we've talked like I've talked one person from selling their house 
I've talked to one person from ruining some deeply important relationships because it's almost like, why didn't you tell me I was going through this? Why didn't you tell me I could be this person? Or why haven't you let me be this person? So it's like, there's a lot of emotions to work through that. Uh, after the intensives, we do two phone call follow-ups, one within a week after the intensive to check in, and then in another month. Uh, to want to make sure no one burned down their house, <laughs> but more importantly, to establish that sense of community, that you're not alone in this awareness, that you're not alone in this awakening, that we're here to support you and to talk with you through it. And then from there, they are integrated into a larger uh, alumni community, which essentially is just all of us on the same wavelength around communication and what's important to us. Well, it sounds very transformative and extremely caring in that little, like aftercare almost that you guys are just reaching <laughs> back out, you could say. Yeah, it, it um, but that, that was the intention. Mm -hmm. Seeing the work that I was able to do as professional dominant during COVID, it was like, how do we take this experience and put it into the people's hands? Because I can only work with one person at a time. But what if I can teach you to do it for yourself? And then you can teach it forward because all you have to do is experience validation to know what it is and then recreate it. Yeah. It's a process, but just recreate it. And it's a bigger message of like, we really are bigger than what we currently think we are. Even as right now, like it's one of those journeys that doesn't have to stop ever. Like it stops when you stop. Yes. I really appreciate what you said about being bigger than we, than what we are. That's something I'm also experiencing as of late. I think yeah. uh, BDSM and King can show you just other possibilities of what you could do. Like even with your mind, like it's not even on a, like physically. Yes. But also with your mind, you can change how you think for a moment, even through suffering and shame. I, and the permission to explore oneself for sure. But like discipline is one that I learned. And when I learned that through this type of Avenue, it transformed my life in other avenues, just almost instantaneously. Yes. Yes. There's a, a leather brother of ours who, um, when we first met him about a year and a half ago, he came with his husband and he was there for his husband's journey to support it. Uh, they both came through the uh, intensive and the first time through, you could see the lights going off in their minds, but they were pacing themselves really slowly. And then they came back a second time. And the second time you could tell he showed up now out of his own curiosity and he happens to be there with his husband. And then they came back a third, fourth, fifth, and sixth time. <laughs> and by the sixth time, they have their own strengths, their own abilities, their newest forms of communication, engaging in a way that that previously it was too shameful to even get there. I do photography as well. And at some of these intensives, with the permission of the attendees, uh, I'll take photos throughout the, the weekend and I'll send them back to them so that they can see themselves for who they are. Because when they're meeting me, I'm meeting them this is who you are today to me. I don't know anything about your past. All I care about is who you are and how you behave. Are you, are you a person of good character? That's the only thing I care about. Your past is your past. If you're not making the same decisions as you have back then in, in areas that you wanted to change, awesome. That's fantastic that, that you've made the changes in order to, to evolve. But if you haven't, if you're still making the same choices, 
nine out of 10 times, you're not going to feel right in the intensive in and of itself. Forget about just holding space with them. Mm. So being able to reflect back through the imagery, they see, wow, this is, I'm, I'm so much more than I thought. Absolutely. And you had mentioned something to permission to explore oneself. And I think that goes hand in hand is a big one of allowing yourself to go into different parts of your brain and different parts of like just experiences or imaginations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the self-exploration uh, fell into my lap really heavy when I was sitting in my space by myself and I was naked and I was thinking about the work that I do and the permissions I tell people to give themselves. In this situation, it was self-exploration, a permission I hadn't given myself. And I was sitting here deep in imposter syndrome, feeling like a sham because I've never given myself permission to explore myself uh, penetratively. And out of that, I would even call it distaste towards myself. I got what I needed and I sat in front of a mirror and I spent the next period of time giving myself permission to explore myself because whenever I've, I've bottomed or I've been penetrated, it's always under the, the guidance of the person doing it versus me giving in enough information to make it enjoyable so the person doing it to me doesn't have to figure it out themselves, mm. right? And it gave me so much power in the ability to say, this is who I am, this is my body, this is how I like it, and to be able to articulate it, right? The yeah. same thing I've been telling people for years to do. It took me shame and sadness and anger towards myself to really hit that wall and make the change myself. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing. And I do think that sometimes we do need those emotions for change. There's not all negative to these emotions. There are positive things that can stem from these. And embracing these type of emotions is necessary in order to like to get to know it, to control it a little bit better as well, I think. And BDSM again can give you that platform. <laughs> yeah, very much. But I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing all that you did with us today. Is there anywhere where my listeners can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me at masterjoshua.com. That's my direct website. I also have kinkcollective.net where we do the introspective and the personal development around kink exploration. And that's K-I-N-K collective.net. And then there's ssdce.org, which stands for Sanctuary for Spiritual Development and Consciousness Expansion. And there you would be able to get in touch with me for the end of life doula work, uh, also introspective and personal development work that isn't directly associated with kink, as well as journey work. I give everyone a free 30-minute consultation to discuss where they're at and to see how we can work together. Wonderful. And for your intensive, do you have one coming up uh, in July or in a couple of weeks? Yeah, yeah. Actually, thank you for asking. I have one in New York City. It's July 14th to 16th. It's a three-day intensive uh, with nights off, of course. Um, by the end of the intensive, you'll have easily worked through a few years of the introspective journey work in order to give you the language that you need to be able to articulate where you're at or where you're not. Uh, it's a really impactful workshop. You can find the information there on kinkcollective.net as well. 
Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you again for being on the show. And for my listeners, I want you guys always to stay kinky. Thank you so much. <laughs>